0: Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Catholic voice in America. On this show, I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like why the world isn't working right now. The Protestant Reformation is over. Christians now have more commonalities than differences, yet evil is spreading and the enemy is winning because we're still fighting each other over self-righteous labels and high-level theology. If you disagree with me, then you're part of the problem. Listen. As Christians, we're all baptized into God's family. We all want heaven, and we all struggle with the same human brokenness. United we stand, divided we fall, it's that simple. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist who was almost murdered twice. But God spared me because he had a higher purpose for my life. My mission is to unify Christians everywhere. This show was created for you, the person who wants to be accepted and loved Reminded that God has a higher purpose for your life. Let's get started. Today, my featured guest is Trent Horn. And after his conversion to the Catholic faith, Trent Horn earned a master's degree in theology from Franciscan University of Steubenville, a master's degree in philosophy from Holy Apostles College, and is pursuing a master's degree in bioethics from the University of Mary. As a staff apologist for Catholic Answers, you can find them at catholic.com, he specializes in teaching Catholics to graciously and persuasively engage those who disagree with them. Trent models that approach each week on the radio program Catholic Answers Live, where he dialogues with atheists, pro-choice advocates, and other non-Catholic callers. So he goes into the lion's den, unafraid. Trent is also an adjunct professor of apologetics at Holy Apostles College, and the author of five books, now six, including "Answering Atheism," the case for Catholicism, why we're Catholic, and now his new book just out a few months ago is "Counterfeit Christ: Finding the Real Jesus Among the Imposters." The reason why I invited Trent on the show today is to discuss that book and to really get into what does that mean, um, counterfeit Christ, and how is that showing up in the world right now? How is that showing up in all the Christian religions? So Trent's going to get into that. So first off, you can find him at trenthornpodcast.com, trenthornpodcast.com. Trent Horn, welcome to Broken Catholic again. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me back.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Any gaps in the intro you want to fill in there for us? Uh, No, I mean, that covers uh, what I'm
1: working on. I have my podcast, the Council of Trent Podcasts, where I interview people and talk about current events from a Catholic perspective. Uh, And then also I'm writing always a a flurry of books, uh, my most recent one, of course, being uh, Counterfeit Christ, which I'm happy to come on the show to talk about today.
0: Absolutely. So like, what is your intention? I'm just a curious guy, right? That's what makes me a good interviewer. So how many books do you plan like before you move uh, from this life into the next? How many books does Trent Horn publish?
1: i don't have a set number but when i have an idea for a book i write it down in my book ideas list and i catalog that and i rank them based on order of importance when i need what i want to write you know what i want to get to that list is currently at about 20 books so i at least have 20 more left that i'd like to write so
0: that's pretty cool so does the priority change in that list based on what's happening in the world current events
1: uh, sometimes, yeah. If, if there's yeah. something that, that's going on, an issue being discussed, I notice a book is lower on the list, it might get, it might get bumped up or just circumstances may bring it more uh, to my attention. So uh, yeah, when I choose a topic for my books, I choose topics that I believe people have an interest in, that are, there is a genuine need for it, and that I, I have a desire and, a, and I'm really excited about writing a book on that subject
0: which brings us right into Counterfeit Christ. So why was that the next book on the list that you needed to get out to the world?
1: Well, I had noticed there was a dearth of books on Jesus, specifically on how to defend the person of Jesus against those who have misconceptions about him, whether it's atheists who say Jesus never existed, uh, other religions that say Jesus was just a prophet, was just a a man, or even non-religious people who say Jesus was just a good guy, but that's it. Uh, to help Catholics be able to defend the the existence, the divinity, and resurrection of Christ, there wasn't a comprehensive treatment of that subject. Uh, There were a few books that came close, but I thought this one would cover a wide range of objections in a very readable style, and so I I felt there was a need for that. And it's something I've recommended for people before uh, a booklet I wrote, 20 Answers, The Real Jesus, and I recommended that for a long time, but I wanted something more substantial to replace it.
0: So what would be your intention for a reader? They read your book and then do what with this information in Counterfeit Christ?
1: Well, I think number one, they should grow in a closer relationship with uh, Jesus Christ, that they seek communion with him, both in prayer and through sacraments, such as receiving him in the Eucharist. So their relationship with Christ becomes closer and he becomes an important part of their life. And number two, that they're willing to, to share this good news to explain uh, why uh, Jesus is so important, the most important person in the history of the world, most important human who's ever lived. Why this person is important, per, it's important to believe in him and be able to share that good news without trepidation and be able to answer questions or objections people might make in response.
0: Mm. BC Nation, whether you're a believer or a non believer, I think Trent uh, lands us with a really good argument that Jesus Christ is the most influential human being that has ever existed on planet earth whether you believe in him or not you cannot deny that fact why why this one person why did he have so much influence throughout history anything you want to add to that trent
1: no i think that that's an important question to raise that there have been influential people uh, throughout the history of the world you have socrates you have confucius buddha Uh, Carl Jaspers called them the paradigmatic individuals, and Jesus was among them. But Jesus is just very different. Uh, Jesus, unlike Socrates or Confucius or Buddha, did not leave, write a bunch of wise sayings, and that was it. Uh, Jesus uh, left his mark on history through claims to being more than just a wise teacher, claims to divinity, to being the only begotten son of the father who has the authority to confer kingdoms who grants salvation to people buddha and confucius socrates never said they could save anybody from anything they give you good advice and that's about it jesus made much grander claims that would be egomaniacal if he were merely a human being uh but quite proper if he is god incarnate
0: Mm. so bc nation like it comes down to it like jesus christ is more than just a fortune cookie right quotes on a fortune cookie so, why is that? So, Trent, you know, let's get right into the synopsis of the book. Um, you write here, you know, Jesus asks his disciples, Who do you say I am? Turns out that today, as back then, this question has a lot of different answers. So, many groups want to appropriate uh, Jesus, tweaking his identity until he looks and sounds like one of them. But, that's no, but then you no longer have the Lord, says Trent Horn, right? My guest today. You have an imposter. So go ahead and, and expand upon that. What do you mean by that? Take us a little deeper.
1: Right. So in my book, I go through 18 counterfeit Christs or 18 imposters who seek to replace the real Jesus. So people will say, well, I believe in Jesus. I'll say, well, you claim to believe in Jesus, but you believe in a distortion of who the real Jesus is. The Jesus you worship or you admire lacks one of the essential properties of who the real Jesus is. They either deny his full humanity or more commonly deny his full divinity. Uh, mm-hmm. So people will say, I believe Jesus was just a good teacher. I believe Jesus was just a story meant to inspire people. Uh, that you had people who claim to worship Jesus even like Mormons and Jehovah's witnesses, but their Jesus uh, is not fully God. He did not create the universe. He did not fully atone for our sins on the cross. Uh, and so these are counterfeits. And so what I do in my book, the, By going through these 18 counterfeits, I show where scripture and history uh, sort of pull the masks off and reveal these counterfeits are not the Jesus that they claim to be. And so I think that's important for any believer or even a non-believer who wants an accurate understanding of history to be able to say, well, here is the real Jesus. You know, once I know who the real Jesus is, then I'm capable to either accept or reject him.
0: Mm. I like the way you positioned um, how most people will fall in one of those two camps, Will they deny Jesus' humanity or his divinity? What do you say to the person, and this is a third option, I would think, who says that Jesus Christ is a fictional character made up by the church?
1: Yes. Uh, so as I said, there are people who deny Jesus' full humanity or his full divinity. There's actually a mythicist, a guy who says Jesus never existed. He wrote, he wrote a book called Jesus, Neither God Nor Man, because <laughs> he says Jesus didn't exist at all
0: he created uh, a third option right that's that's right and so and
1: i cover that in several chapters in the book and what i show is that the consensus of scholars both religious and more importantly non-religious is that jesus certainly did exist Bart Ehrman is an agnostic scholar, a world expert on the New Testament. And he says that it's virtually, it's the view of virtually expert on the, every expert on the planet that Jesus did exist. And we know that because we have good sources for the existence of Jesus. We have the letters of St. Paul written within 20 years of his death, the uh, four gospels, independent eyewitness accounts that attest to Jesus. We have non-biblical sources like the Jewish historian Josephus, the Roman historian Tacitus, written within a century of Christ's death. Uh, compare that to Alexander the Great or Buddha. Uh, we, we have the documents for their lives were written centuries after the fact. Uh, yet people don't doubt that they existed. So we, we have very good evidence that Jesus existed. And we have to dive into that evidence to show, well, what kind of life did he live?
0: Mm. I like that, right? Sometimes, you know, we have to go to the secular um, and, and just pull historical data. Mm-hmm. Right. In order to validate an argument and say, okay, listen, you don't have to believe in Jesus, but do you believe in history? Like right. human history? Like, how do you, how do you argue some of that? Right. So I like where you went here and I'm, I'm going to shift just a little bit, not too much. Um, but it's, you wrote um, here, here's the part right here. It, you know, others stem from Christian or quasi Christian theology gone so far wrong that its founder, Jesus is no longer recognizable. Think of the greed-affirming Jesus of prosperity gospel preachers or the sects that strip Jesus of his divinity. So take us through three of these counterfeit Christ uh, in your book and, yeah. and kind of paint us an example of what you mean, like how the world is positioning, you know, counterfeit Christ number one, two, and three, and then what's the, the truth that we should be looking at. Right.
1: Uh, well, I'll start with the ones that were mentioned in that synopsis of my book. Uh, so the greed affirming Jesus, or at least the wealth affirming Jesus, uh, is a product of prosperity gospel preachers. These are a certain breed of Pentecostal preachers like Kenneth Copeland or Oral, Ro- Oral Roberts, who say that uh, God if he says that, promises that if you are faithful to him, he will be faithful to you, and he'll make you rich and healthy and take away all your worldly problems, provided you're, gen- you're generous Usually that means giving money to their televangelist ministries. You give to God, God will automatically give back to you. But that's not the way that it works. Uh, Our uh, position in life is not determined on our faithfulness to God. It's determined solely by his will and what he chooses to bless us with, whether he blesses us with uh, blessings or with trials that ultimately do strengthen us. Uh, So the idea that by being faithful, you'll be rewarded with material goods, that's just patently false. That's not what the Bible teaches Uh, It's not what we see in the world. There are many faithful Christians in very impoverished places all around the world. That doesn't take away their faithfulness. Uh, And in fact, Jesus himself was obviously the most faithful person who ever lived. And yet he was not rich. He railed against the rich of his time. And he had nowhere to even lay his head. He was uh, a a wandering teacher. He wasn't a beggar, but he certainly wasn't rich. So that really explodes the prosperity gospel preacher, Jesus. Uh, If I can pause right there. Sure, sure. Uh,
0: yeah, so on the prosperity gospel Jesus, right? Uh, the name comes to mind as far as a preacher, Joel Olsteen, yes. um, you know, with prosperity gospel. So all the people that are, you know, seeking God, they truly believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in the truth of the Bible, the inspired word of God revealed to man. Yeah. And they're following the teachings of these prosperity gospels like Joel Olstein, Where does that leave them? Like if they're truly believing what Joel Alsstein is saying, even though you're saying it, well hey, listen, it's contradicting what's in the bible like where does where does this group of people end up?
1: Well, I think that this group of people can end up being very jaded uh, and mm-hmm. and are at risk of leaving the Christian faith entirely. I've met people who were duped by prosperity preachers who gave away their life savings uh, in donations to their ministries, thinking that God would turn around and recoup them of all the money that they had given away. Uh, But that's, uh, so they were, they were deceived. And so I I find that's why this particular brand of Christianity, I can find very infuriating that it can take advantage of people uh, instead of giving them, you know, it requires uh, so many burdens from them through excessive Mm. financial giving when even the Catholic church, teaches that we are not required to tithe. Tithing was a requirement under the Old Testament, 10% of your income. Christians are only required to give to the poor as much as they are able and to support the needs of the church. If you go to church, you know, the the lights don't turn on, the air conditioning doesn't run for free, you know. You have to support your church. But the church does not require a specific given amount, nor does it uh, it promise that if you do give, uh, God will give back to you. Uh, the same or equal amount. Uh, God doesn't, isn't in the business of investment programs, in the biz, in business of saving souls, and also providing for people both their spiritual needs and their material needs. That is why we should give and be generous to help others, to be like Christ who gave himself for all of us.
0: Mm, thank you for going there. All right. What would be an example of a, a second type of um, counterfeit Christ?
1: Well, another type of counterfeit Christ, you mentioned those who, who strip Jesus of his divinity. So Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, deny that Jesus is fully God. And in order to do that, they have to reinterpret the Bible. They, they, they have their own translation of the Bible, the New World Translation, uh, which mangles the New Testament text to suit their theology. So, for example, in John 1.1, 1, 1, Every other Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we learn that the Word is Jesus, the, the Son. So the Son is God. Uh, the Jehovah's Witness Bible says, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was a God, not just God. Uh, similarly, in Paul's letter to the Colossians, uh, Paul says that Jesus Christ created all things in uh, Colossians 1.15-17. Uh, but in the, new, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, it says that Jesus created all other things uh, because Jesus himself was created by the Father. He's not eternal. Uh, but the words for other, heteros and alos, the Greek words, are not in those verses. They've been jammed in there to suit Jehovah's Witness theology. So this, this is problematic because if Jesus is not fully God, then his death on the cross does not have infinite value. It can't make up for our sins. It can't truly save us. And so that is the problem when you have people who strip Jesus of his divinity, that also strips him of the ability for him to carry out his saving work
0: on our behalf. Which leaves us in a very uh, tight predicament predicament as humans, you know, lacking salvation. Like,
1: that's a problem. (laughs) We cannot save ourselves. We cannot approach God on our own merits. We need the grace that Christ has merited for us on the cross to be able to do that, to persevere and to enjoy eternal life with God. Uh, the final examples I would say is people who claim that Jesus is non judgmental. Jesus doesn't care about, for example, sexual sin, doesn't really care about sin at all. He just wants to be your friend. Uh, but Jesus is a friend of sinners not because he ignores our sins, but because he saves us from them and encourages us, calls us to repentance from sins that ultimately do harm us. Uh, but when it comes to sexual sin, Jesus is actually stricter than the Pharisees of his time. Uh, When the Pharisees were debating about divorce and remarriage, looking for loopholes, Jesus said there are no loopholes, that remarriage after divorce constitutes adultery, and that's a grave sin. So if Jesus wouldn't allow for uh, the sexual sin of adultery through remarriage, uh, he would never allow for fornication, uh, homosexual behavior, or other sins. He would never just quietly tolerate them. Rather, he would go and help people to be freed from them.
0: So if we look today, with all this, uh, our social acceptance is shifting, and our even Christians, faithful Christians, are feeling the pressure right now of giving in to the LGBT community. The you know the rainbows everywhere, uh, promoting it in their businesses, etc. With this term, and I think it's a you know an, um, a bastardization of the word love. Right, right. love is love. Right and 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 someone said that to me and I was like what does that even mean in philosophy we call that a tautology
1: which is a redundant statement that doesn't communicate any meaning so exactly
0: that's why yeah. i say what does that actually mean and yeah. and they'll go oh it means well love is love and i was like yeah but what does it mean to you you know and and it's a house of cards and it just collapses because they don't know they're regurgitating the social right. accept- acceptance that's out there so what does one do Right now, good Christians, good Catholics listening to the show right now that are wrestling with that. Maybe someone in their family is, you know, living that, you know, yeah. in sexual sin right now, um, you know, or they're doing, you know, just things that socially are now becoming acceptable. Laws are being passed, yeah. civil laws being passed to approve and legalize, etc. And then they have their own faith that's saying, you know, this is wrong. This is right. evil. Like, where does, that, where does that come up, and how do they not run the risk of creating their own, you know, counterfeit Christ that tolerates some sinfulness, you know, but not others? Does that make sense?
1: Sure, and I think the importance there is to be faithful to Jesus and to the church he established. So to not show, uh, in part, to part, not be partial towards some sins rather than others, we should be faithful to what the church teaches in the catechism, to understand how different sins had have different levels of moral gravity and to treat them as such. Uh, when engaging friends and family members who uh, embrace sinful lifestyles, for example, I think it's important to let them know where you stand on these issues, but to do so in a, in a gracious way. Uh, always maintain lines of communication, uh, show human endearment, spend time with them, uh, be willing to help them in their hour of need, invite them to things like praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet or the Rosary, uh, to show that you want to keep these lines of communication open, but then say to them, you know, what do you do you think that this is okay? Or what do you think God thinks about this? I'm, I'm concerned for you. And I want to make sure that you're you're right with God, just like I want to be right with God. And so I think it's important to open up a dialogue with people uh, when they embrace these lifestyles, especially if they know that we stand in disagreement with them, that we can reason together. Isaiah 118 says, come, let us reason together, though your sins may be like scarlet, they can be as made as white as snow. Uh, so I think that might be the, a helpful attitude we should have with with people who have um, these positions or lead these lifestyles.
0: I like that a lot. And, you know, you add in here, there are enthusiasts for ideological causes who make Jesus a model Marxist, uh, a Democrat, re- Republican, or enlist him as a convenient spokesman for tolerance of the thing they want to do or promote, which is exactly what we're saying right now. Right. So how do we... Um, engage individuals that actually leverage parts of the Bible uh, to endorse their agenda but omit the other parts. That's why it's important to become biblically
1: literate Uh, when people take some Bible passages out of context uh, that you can be able to correct people and show them other passages. So I do that, for example, the opposite of the prosperity preacher Jesus is socialist Jesus who says that no one should be rich and all of our income should go to the government for redistribution, and that Jesus taught this. And that's not what Jesus taught in the Bible at all. Jesus never taught government should centrally plan economies or redistribute income. The Gospel of Luke even records that a man went to Jesus and said, Lord, make my brother share the inheritance with me. He was asking for wealth to be redistributed. And Jesus said to him, who made me a master over you? Beware of greed and the dangers it possesses. Uh, so when, by looking at scripture, we can show people when people say, oh, money's the root of all evil, you can say, oh, not so fast. First Timothy six ten says the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, that when we love things, whether it's money or food or pleasure or adventure or excitement, when you love something in the world more than God, that leads to evil. St. Thomas Aquinas even defined sin in one sense as loving creature more than creator. And so Jesus does not want us to be hyper fixated on making heaven in this life. He wants us to be just and, and help and love people. But ultimately, our goal is to get to heaven with him in the next life.
0: So BC Nation, we're listening to Catholic apologist Trent Horn. You can find him at TrentHornPodcast.com, TrentHornPodcast.com. Uh, he also works over at uh, uh, Catholic Answers, which is Catholic.com. And Trent is discussing his book, Counterfeit Christ, Finding the Real Jesus Among the Imposters." He's got 18 different counterfeit Christ listed in there. You want to go get this book. You want to learn and become, you know, counterfeit Christ literate. Like what, what are the counterfeit Christ out there in society right now that are being pushed on you, pushed on your kids? How do you speak, uh, you know, edu- uh, educated uh, in a way that you could speak God's truth, biblical truth um, against the social acceptance that's being pushed on us right now. Mm -hmm. So Trent, what do you want to say, um, you know, to wrap this all up uh, for our listeners right now um, that are interested in, you know, getting your book and not just for the sake of selling a book or whatever, but like, what is that specific benefit to them, that takeaway of reading your new book, Counterfeit Christ?
1: Well, I think the benefit will be you don't have to feel uh, confounded or frustrated or nervous when people try to present a false Christ to you and you don't know exactly how to refute it. You know it's incorrect, but you may be wary, like, well, where does the Bible say it's incorrect or how do I answer that? My book will give you practical steps to be able to do that for all, you know, whenever a Jehovah's Witness or Mormon is at your door or you have a conversation with an atheist cousin or friend, uh, you'll have practical steps and tools to be able to offer them in these conversations. And the book is written in a charitable way that you could even give it to one of these individuals. So I, I highly recommend it for those purposes.
0: Mm, love it. All right, let's wrap up here. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with the authentic, real, biblical Jesus Christ?
1: The key to having an authentic relationship with the real biblical Jesus Christ is to meet Jesus Christ in those sources he gave us to find him. And primarily that would be prayer, uh, reading scripture, and uh, receiving him through the sacraments, especially through reception of the Eucharist and through the sacrament of confession.
0: Trent Horn, thank you for being on Broken Catholic today. You're a superstar. Love having you on, brother. Keep writing those books. You got 20 to go, at least, that we know of. Um, really excited for you. Uh, anything you want to, what's the best way for um, BC Nation to reach you uh, anything specifically? I, know uh, I
1: would recommend my podcast at Uh You can also get more resources about me at Trenthorn.com. but my website at com is probably best.
0: Fantastic. And BC Nation, I changed up the show a little bit, really to speak about the book. So we left out the confession round, your favorite part of the show. Trent did that last time. So go catch the previous episode that when he was on Broken Catholic, uh, if you want to catch those answers, like what's his favorite thing about God? What's his least favorite thing about God? And uh, if you love this show, BC Nation, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't yet. Share the show with people you love. Like sharing is caring. You got to share. And uh, also, I want to say this. uh, Some of you right now listening to the show are wrestling with, you know, real human problems that maybe you're walking into a divorce and you don't even know it. You know, uh, maybe your kids are, you know, they're, disconnected from you right now because you've been working so hard to provide for them and build your business empire that you're actually not present in their life and they're ignoring you if you want them back in your life that's what I do with my spiritual coaching so I invite you to jump on a clarity call with me Uh, we'll jump on for about 30 minutes and we'll get clear on what is it that you really want in your life right now and do we want to work together I've had clients that literally uh, you know, prevented divorces. They avoided that divorce, that expensive divorce. They got their wife back. They're, they're deeper in love than ever. One of my clients got his three daughters back into his life. What's that worth to him? So whatever you're going through, I recommend don't go through it alone. Reach out to me. It's josephwarren.net. josephwarren.net. Schedule your clarity call with me. Trenhorn, you are a superstar, my friend. Thank you for being on Broken Catholic. As always... You know, I just want to wish you God's love, God's forgiveness, and God's joy in your life, my friend. Thank you, Joseph. Have a blessed day. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business.